The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, Five, and opinions for the worlds of wrestling, three, video games, football, two, and entertainment. One. And the Buffalo Bills are on the clock. Well, that's kind of ironic, isn't it? Good <laughs> <coughs> evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening, everybody, and welcome to the 2020 kickoff NFL Draft Round 1 and 2 discussion. We'll obviously mix some of this into our overall draft discussion as well when we get to that next week on the show. But we figured we'd bring you a special broadcast this week and let you know our thoughts on some of the players that went early, some of the players that didn't go early, some of the players that maybe shouldn't have went early. <coughs> Andrew Thomas! <coughs> I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. Remember a time when you could just sit back and watch a team like Jacksonville know what they were doing and have utter complete faith in their competence come draft weekend? Peppered Peppered Farm farm remembers. (laughs) Uh, Peppered Farms, in case you're listening by any chance, I cannot be bought. I can, however, be rented. Twitter me. Damn right. Now I've got some pretty good rates myself. <laughs> the co-host turned executive producer, Brandon Biscabin. And, and I may have uh, screwed up tonight, and they may have heard my countdown during the intro. But uh, It happens. <laughs> it's okay, because they did that during the actual NFL draft going to Goodell a couple of times, too. <laughs> it's parody. And... The fourth man, the chairman, and potential part owner, dot, 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 Dramatic reverb. Jason Teasley. Zach Moss, running back, Utah. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Hi. Hey, what's up? I'm getting drunk as we record, so this should be interesting. Oh, it's already started. (laughs) Interesting episode. Uh, Sorry, Ossifer. He's not as thick as you drunk he is. Don't you don't you have a running back already though, Harry? Yeah, Devin Singletary. Yeah, so why are it you might, drafting it might another just be one? Depth. It's third what? round. It could just be a depth. Yeah, yeah not, true. Everybody knows that screwdrivers are healthy for you. That's why they have orange sheets in them. I mean, it's not like you have a you have potentially a Hall of Fame quarterback and you draft a rookie in the, or in the first round. We'll get to it, Jason. That before. Show me some love. <laughs> we'll obviously be discussing that decision a little bit later on here, but I do want to talk about our team first and foremost because that's kind of what we do on this show. Um, the third round is in the process of happening as we are recording. I'm, I'm imagining that all four of us have it on in the background, which is mm-hmm. one of my- I do not. Oh, well, then... Jason's the lone man out. You got you watching the draft still, Bisco? No, I'm gonna I'm pulling it up like online as like yeah, just a tracker. I'm, I'm watching the lot. I, I'm watching the pick tracker. So Jason's on. on through Bleacher Report. Me and Eric probably have. No, the I'm, I'm through ESPN. Okay, well, me and me and Eric have the actual ESPN broadcast on right now in the background, so that way we can keep an eye on things. Actually, doesn't have his dog out for once. I think the dog, the dog made that pick. Hmm. 
The dog looked a little deflated. <laughs> All right, real quick. Just waiting for Brady to show up. I wonder if the dog's name might be Brady. I, I could see that. It'd be ironic if it was a girl then. Brady, quit being such a bitch. Makes sense. All right, so and interestingly, as Jason says, that New England's back on the clock again right now. But um, a couple of quick things to discuss before we get started here. Um, I know I personally used Athlon's Draft Preview magazine to discuss this show. Now, I know a couple of you guys were looking through various online resources. One of the main resources that we use for a lot of stuff on the show is ESPN.com. So on behalf of the four of us here at the kickoff, I want to send out my best wishes to Todd McShay on a speedy recovery. This year's draft coverage definitely doesn't feel the same without McShay to kind of shout down Mel Kuyper when he says something stupid. Or the live interaction from the audience. Or to kind of interrupt Booger McFarlane before he says something stupid. <laughs> I, I mean, Booger's going to booger. It's just kind of one of those yeah. things that's going to happen regardless. I swear, he just looks like a fat LT. <laughs> you know, I didn't notice it before you said it. Now that you said it, I can't unsee it. Yeah, but, it's like, oh my God. Why did I thought they brought LT back as a... And I was like, Are, is ESPN doing crack? And they got L, LT on the panel? But think about it like this. Not so much a fatter LT, but more of how LT would be had he never done crack. I don't know. I still think he All right. So I mentioned the fact that we're going to start with coverage of our own individual teams. Alphabetically, Buffalo is first, but I can't ask myself about the Bills, so I'll go last. That brings me to Jacksonville, Eric. Ugh. And obviously, you know the first place I'm going with this. With the ninth overall pick in the draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select C.J. Henderson, cornerback, Florida. Go Gators! Just, just, just why? You, you gotta replace uh, Jalen. No, it's okay. They're gonna wait. They're gonna wait a couple of years for CJ to become a star and then trade him. <laughs> or you know, wait a couple of years, not pay him, not get the kind of money that we need, and then all of a sudden he goes somewhere else and has a mediocre season with a decent team. That and, sounds and, about and, right. and misses the playoffs. Yeah, he could have been right here making more money going stretching farther and still watching the playoffs from home. Assuming there are playoffs this year. We'll see how that works out once we get more into into the season. All right, let's talk about a couple of your other picks here. I think you guys got one of the steals in the draft here. Let's talk about your second round pick. Tenth overall pick in the second round. The man that I sung the praises of in our draft preview. Injuries are a concern. But when this dude was healthy, he was money at Colorado. I refer to wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. Honestly, when I see him, and especially looking back at some of his tape, I can see us working with him kind of what we wanted to do early on with Shoelace, Denard Robinson. Some kind of trick plays with him in the backfield, getting the ball, but I see him definitely... Maybe a little bit more as an inside kind of slot receiver as we kind of figure things out, then moving him to be a little bit more of a deep threat. But that's the one pick that I can really say that I'm not mad about 
so far. See, I'm actually not mad about your other first round pick either, though. The man whose name we had a hell of a time pronouncing last week here, Clavon Chesson. Yeah, I'm not mad that they took him. I'm mad that they took him that early because while you can have him kind of as the outside, depending on our scheme, linebacker wasn't really a pressing, pressing concern. But if we have him to where he can help out our D-line, hey, I'm not going to complain. Didn't he grade out as a late first-round selection, though? I'd have to look back. <laughs> I'm in the process of pulling it up on my Athlon magazine right now. Um, yeah, he's graded out as a uh, mid-to-late first-round draft pick. So according to Athlon, you got him right around the time he should have. Huh, imagine that. All right, let's move over to the New York football giants, Jason. And your general manager has somehow managed to screw up the entire draft once again with his first selection. Yeah, um, he definitely ruined and, a lot of perfect perfect draft boards that uh, and predictions by taking uh, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, uh, which, I mean, we did need the offensive line help, but I think that we should have went in a different direction. Uh it took maybe uh, I would li- I would like to got Willis out of Alabama uh, personally if we was going to go that that route or uh, so yeah I mean but I mean it is what it is uh, you've pointed out that actually uh, the uh, draft magazine you use actually did make that pick and that was very surprising. I think a lot of it had to do with the uh, the idea of you kind of expect the unexpected when it comes to Dave Gettleman. Do you not, Brandon? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we saw it last year with, with the pick of Daniel Jones. Everyone was expecting them uh, to pick um, – wow, I'm drawing a blank on his name. I know he's in Washington right now. Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, thank you. Yeah, everyone was expecting the Giants to pick Dwayne Haskins in, in that number four slot, uh, and they went with Jones instead. And I they, was actually predicting them to take the kid out of Kentucky last year at number four, the anchor of the defense, and then grab yeah, Jones. Yeah, I, yeah. But I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, were expecting them to take a quarterback, which they did, but they reached very big on Jones. And he's worked out pretty well this past season. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think the thing with the Daniel Jones pick is when you're comparing him to Dwayne Haskins, I don't think there's any doubt among us here at the kickoff that Daniel Jones had a much better rookie season than Dwayne Haskins. Oh, absolutely. I I don't think anyone can dispute that. So, you know, Gettleman likes doing this. He likes finding those diamonds in the rough that people may not be looking at, you know, as a top – top tier guy but he sees something in them he sees that work ethic he sees whatever and he says i'm not gonna go with the you know the normal pick i'm not gonna go with the expected pick i'm gonna go with this guy unexpected and we're gonna make him into a into a superstar and that's what they've done with jones uh you know he's not quite to the top level that he could be but he's definitely getting there. And now with this pick as well, I think this is going to be a pick. I don't think you could have gone wrong with either him 
or uh, or the one from Alabama. Uh, but yeah, um, but I think it. I think he's going to be successful at the next level, and I think he's going to be a big help to the Giants' offensive line. Let's talk about your pick in the second round, Jason, when you guys picked up an absolute bargain at the start of the second round with the Xavier McKinney, who was projected to go mid to late first round. Oh, I love that pick. I think it's I think it's why one of the I'm not gonna say the stills of the draft, but I think it, it it's up there. It, it's up there. Um we'll talk about one of the my steal of the draft to this point uh here shortly. Uh, that went, went in the second round. Uh, two of them actually went in the second round. But I think that um, I think that, that was probably one of the, my favorite picks when I seen it come in. Uh, that does, especially uh, with what Dallas done, uh, I think anchoring that secondary down is, was a key that needed to be addressed, and we did address it. And I think, like I said, we got one of the biggest bargains at the start of the second round to make that happen and kind of anchor our uh, defensive secondary down for several years to come. Yeah. Bisco, your your thoughts on Xavier McKinney. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with uh, both you and Jason that it is one of the big steals of the draft. He was projected to be a, you know, later mid to late first round draft pick. Um, And, you know, he basically fell right into the Giants' laps. I do also agree with Jason that they needed secondary help, um, but I am honestly surprised. I was expecting them to go with either, especially considering how we were talking about their pick in the first round, potentially going after Isaiah Simmons. uh, I was expecting them to go after someone in the front seven on defense in this pick instead of going secondary. Uh, So, you know... We'll see if they try to go uh, go with someone in the front seven in the third round. Uh, but you know, I it's a good pick, but they don't they definitely need some help in that front seven as well. I'm trying to I'm trying to see when the Giants is picking the third round is coming up here, and I don't see them on the waiting list quite yet. Uh, they are in the third. They are number ninety nine. Yeah, the 35th pick of the third round. I remember yeah. saying, I see that on ESPN right now. Yeah, number 99 overall. Well, it is so hairy. We all know about the big trade, getting Stefan Diggs. Lucky. Yeah, I believe, I believe, as I mentioned in our preview, with, the, with their first-round pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Buffalo Bills select Stefan Diggs, wide receiver, Minnesota Vikings. Oh, boy. He has a quarterback that's not Kirk Cousins throwing to him. It'll be glorious. I I was kind of hoping that his brother would fall to you guys and you would get the digs, the digses. Has his brother been selected yet? Uh, Yes. I I remember seeing him get selected today. I forget who who he got selected by, though, right now. I'll pull it up. All right. while, While Bisco's looking that up, continue, Eric. Well, so I was going to say, without having that first-round pick, how do you feel waiting, especially I just saw your third-round pick before we came out of the air, uh, Zach Moss, the running back out of Utah, but how do you feel with the very, uh, shall we say, scant 
draft so far, starting in the second round. You know what? I'm actually okay with it here because our second round pick, AJ, and I'm going to butcher the last name here, but I'm going to try it. Um, Epinesa? Yep, Epinesa. Epinesa, thank you. Um, it's just another. It's just another weapon to add to our loaded defense. Our our defense is clearly the best part of our franchise here. No disrespect to Josh Allen, who came a long way in his first in his first two seasons, but isn't to the level of an elite NFL quarterback yet. Devin Singletary had a very good rookie campaign last year, but he isn't an elite NFL running back yet. And up until getting Stephon Diggs from Minnesota. Our wide receiving core were John, our two main wide receivers were John Brown and Cole Beasley, who had very good seasons last year, but don't exactly strike fear into the heart of uh, opposing defenses. Our defense was our bread and butter last year, and despite the fact that we lost Harrison Phillips this year, we kind of picked Ipanisa to replace Phillips and continue us on that scheme that uh, Sean McDermott likes to run on our defensive side. And by the way, Harry, he went four picks ahead of you with the 19th pick in the second round. The Cowboys selected him. Of course they did. <laughs> God damn it, Sean. All right, so let's get back into the uh, discussion here. You guys have your list of first-round draft picks in front of you? Yep. I have a two-part question for you here, and it's going to focus on the first round only. Okay. Big, biggest surprise to come out of the first round? Who will be the biggest bust to come out of the first round? Eric, I'll start with you. Oh, I've got to pull up my list again. <laughs> I might need just an extra split second. <laughs> All right. Well, while he's looking, I can go ahead and give you guys my picks for this year because I, I was thinking about this question when I was watching the draft yesterday, and I had a couple of names immediately spring out to me here. Um, my biggest surprise, I think, is going to be Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. That dude is – they showed the, the clip package for him for what he did at Arizona State, and I think it was – uh, which one of the insiders was it that said he had zip code range when it came to pass catching ability, mm-hmm. where if it's anywhere in the vicinity, he can get it. And he has the second largest wingspan in NFL history, I think they said. Wow. Ooh. Like fingertip to fingertip, it's like the second longest in uh, draft combine history behind, they mentioned the name too, and I don't remember who it was. Wasn't it... Um... <clears throat> was was Amari? No, I don't think it was Amari Cooper. Because somebody he has, they had like a sixty-four inch wingspan or some. No, or, or eighty-four, and he's got like an eighty-three and a quarter or some. Yeah, I, I remember the numbers, but I don't remember the name of who had the wingspan. But I just remember like the second biggest wingspan that they've ever tested at the NFL Combine. Not to mention San Francisco's wide receiver core kind of took a little bit of a hit this year losing Emmanuel Sanders. So he's somebody that could kind of plug right into place in that Emmanuel Sanders role next to Debo Samuel, who Jason was all over last year. Yes, that I was. My biggest disappointment, I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to work in Kansas City. I'm going to have to Agree with you Say I was. That's that's who my, I think my biggest surprise is. Same I, year. I, 
I don't think it's going to work in Kansas City for Clyde Edwards. I think there are too many weapons. I think there are too many people there that are going to require too many touches. And I don't think Edwards Hilaire is going to have any kind of significant offensive contribution. Wouldn't, but let me counter that. If you look at the scheme that he ran at LSU, especially when they had that NFL offensive coordinator, it's awfully similar to the scheme that they've run in Kansas City right now. You're going to get a very powerful tandem backfield to where you're not going to have either of them be a throw with either him or Damian Williams as a three down back. You're not. And especially Edwards Hilaire because he's too small. But with his catching ability, giving another weapon to Mahomes, especially on the rare instances where he has checkdowns, and with that little cut and explosiveness, you could have him as either a big two down back or switching up schemes when you need him on third down and have Williams take care of the rest. I think he really is because of that going to be the biggest surprise, at least in my mind. All right, Jason, you kind of seem to to uh, second Eric's opinion there. Go ahead and give your thoughts as to why. Yeah, I think um, I think it's the fact that nobody he everybody was picking like two um, two running backs ahead of him. He was on a lot of boards. He was the third running back to come off the board. But Kansas City took him uh, as a pass catching back. Because in that offense, you do have to take a look and look down the field. I mean, you got Tyreek Hill, who is an absolute speed demon, who can stretch the field. You have Kelsey underneath that can work one side of the field. And then if you have a little uh, scat back like he is with elusive um, cuts and breakaway speed coming out of the backfield that would catch uh, can catch passes out of the backfield, who could take one to, ha- to the house at any time that's going to be matched up with much quick, uh, much bigger, slower linebackers that he can just flat out outrun for, you know, 10, 15 yards in, at, a, at a chunk. So I think um, if they, and I think if they utilize him right, he's going to be a huge asset in Kansas City. Uh, yes, do I think he's the best running back? No. Do I think he landed in the best position for his skill set? By far, yes. Reminds me it, a lot of the days when we had Mojo. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on biggest uh, biggest upside in the first round here? Biggest upside? Um, hmm. I'm going to ask you guys about the second round as well, so go ahead and prepare your selections for that too. Okay. I want. Uh, I know. I, I've already got my second round. My second but, uh, round was an easy one because when he, I was surprised that he was even still on the board when he was selected. I think my. Bi- right. I, I go think, ahead, Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I think my biggest upside, and and I hate having to give them credit, but I think C. D. Lamb is going to help the Cowboys out immensely. I think, see, I think he's going to be the biggest bust his rookie year, his rookie year. Now, not over his career, his rookie year, because I don't think that because one, they have Dak. uh, I don't think. Well, I think that's the thing. I think I I think that there's like Harry was saying, uh, like Harry was saying about Kansas City. I don't there's a lot of talent to try to get the ball too. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, he goes into that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he can beat out Michael, Michael Gallup, but 
it's going to take a bit. I think he, I think he has the best upside career wise, but I think rookie wise, I think he is going to be a big. Uh, he's going to he's going to flounder his rookie year, uh, but once he gets acclimated to the NFL, I think he's got a huge bright future. I I could potentially see that. I think. Especially considering, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Dak in terms of contract and whatnot. But franchise tag. Yeah, I'm I'm anticipating that, and especially if he does get franchise tagged, this season for Dak is going to be a make or break season for him. And okay. like I said, you know, having an extra weapon makes it even more crucial for him to be successful. And while, yes, I may agree with you, Jason, that he may flounder as a result of Dak, it won't be CD's problem. It'll be because Dak isn't able to get him the ball. See, that's actually kind of where I was going to go with what I was going to say there. I was waiting till you guys were done there in order to chime in there. I think the biggest thing for CD Lamb is – I don't think that he's going to have the connectivity that Dak has with Michael Gallup if Dak stays in Dallas this season. And I think that that'll allow Gallup to hold on to uh, to hold on to the number two spot in Dallas. And you'll see more of C.D. Lamb as a third wide receiver in Dallas until either Prescott moves on or until Prescott gets more comfortable with Lamb. Eric, who's your biggest disappointment? I'm honestly, especially looking at some of the Raiders picks, I think Henry Ruggs from the first round is going to be that bust because – Yes, Alabama had some great wide receivers. Jerry Judy, really more top-notch. But I understand what Vegas was doing. I just don't think they have the right guy. He doesn't necessarily have that explosion, especially when you're uncertain. He doesn't seem like he's going to be a solidified target, especially early on for Derek Carr, if he stays somewhat long-term. If they decide to go to a different quarterback, He's not really an upgrade to their current wide receiver core. I'm really not seeing it so much from him, and I think the Raiders really reached for that one. I was really surprised to see Ruggs go before Jerry Judy. Absolutely, because you see the kind of guy that can get wide open, can jump for these catches, can run a lot of great routes. That's the guy, especially if you're figuring out one of your key positions, you're like, hey, this is the kind of guy we need to get someone like him so he can throw it to him. They just went complete opposite, and I was like, okay. <laughs> All right, Bisco, who's your biggest bust out of the first round? Um, are, In terms of bust, are we talking just in terms of who will have the least uh, productivity, or do you, or is it in terms of you know a team either reaching or not making the right pick? Because that could be... I could go in a couple of different directions. It's, it's kind of up to you for your own okay. interpretation. Well, I mean, there's another person I think that went really high in the draft that I don't think is going to have a very good NFL career either, but we'll talk about him here in a few moments. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go with two picks. I may be stepping on your toes with one of them. I know I, Probably. Would, I, know I wouldn't be with the other one. But while, yes, this player I'm sure will have a good career in the NFL – and he's a solid uh, defensive lineman. I think the Panthers should have taken the guy that was taken one pick behind him. They lost Luke Keekley this year. They needed that that 
that aggressive and that dynamic defensive player that it, that you could set in the linebacker position, but at the same time he could move anywhere he wanted to. Isaiah Simmons was right there. He's a he's a Carolina guy. He would have gotten that added pop from the Carolina faithful. And well, he's a South Carolina guy. Well, but, but the Panthers. Yeah, I get your point. Yeah. Go ahead, continue. So. I think they should have taken Simmons there instead of uh, instead of Brown. Agreed. I got to side with him on that one. See, uh, both both oh. Simmons and Brown, both Simmons and Brown were in the Athlon top five, so I don't think you had a wrong pick there. No, no, As I'm not his... saying that Brown is the wrong pick in terms of talent, but I think you need think that you think that Simmons is going to be more productive over the course of his career. Exactly. All right. Very well. Um, dare I ask who the other name is? Because I'm almost afraid to. Uh, let me just ask you, who who are we going to be talking about later? Uh, well, there is a certain quarterback who got hurt yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, no, 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 not him. Not him. But another quarterback. The one that I would, the one that I'm going to specifically talk about later is the one who got hurt last okay. year. Okay, then I'll mention the other one. One Jordan Love, the Packers traded up Stop right to there. take him. Stop right there, because I know we're going to talk about him later. Because yes. Jason brought yeah. specifically okay. brought him up towards the start of the show. Okay. Stop right there. We'll, we'll come back to that. Let's move to the second round. Uh, Jason, you said you had yours immediately off the top of your head, so I'll let you go first here. Who's your All biggest? Right. You think will be your biggest surprise out of the second round? Who will be the biggest bust? Uh, the biggest surprise prize went to, and I'm. I have to give this team credit because I mean they are building they're giving they they are giving themselves offensive weapons. Now the defense has to stop somebody, but their offense is going to look really nice. So my biggest surprise is when I seen him when I seen him taken, I was for sure that he, he was taken in the first round. And that's T. Higgins. Uh Cincinnati <laughs> taking him to start the second round. Uh I really I really had him going to uh, Philadelphia, which would have been a great setup for him, but him going down uh, to Cincinnati to uh, set up with um, Joe Burrow and learning from AJ Green, I think that that's going to be be a nice fit. Um, you're going to have a you got a I'm going to say he's a solid um, receiver, breakaway speed, great. Uh, above average to good hands and he's going to be able to grow with burrow which is a huge upside when having a when having a new offense and everything having a receiver that has that kind of ability to grow with your quarterback is a huge benefit and i see that that pays off uh that tandem pays off within the second to third year of playing together so do you think that they may have found the heir apparent to A.J. Green in Cincinnati with T. Higgins then? Oh, yes. I, I think that that everybody uh, – he has he has a lot of the measurables that A.J. had. And A.J. is by far a Hall of Famer. Uh, nobody would dispute that. But I think I think he's he'll get, uh, as any receiver, a set for maybe – three or four in the last 10 years have had a 
really tremendous rookie season. It usually takes a receiver two to three seasons of playing in the NFL to get their legs under them, to get the speed of the game down and make that transition from college. I think this is the heir apparent to AJ. Everybody thought John Ross was, but I, Higgins is just a flat out monster. Uh, like I said, I had him going in the first round in my mock draft. I had him going into the first round to Philadelphia and the Philadelphia pulled a, a giants and totally swerved a lot of people. But I, I know I really like this. I know they took a wide receiver. I'm trying to remember which one they took. Uh, uh, the kid it? out of LSU. Uh, no, I think it was the kid out of TCU, Jalen Rieger. Yes, it was okay. Yeah, it was. It was Rieger out of TCU. I thought I was looking at. Uh, I thought he Justin, was from LSU. Justin Jefferson went later in the first round. Yeah, yeah. I was looking. I was thinking it was Justin Jefferson out of LSU. That went right, to the Vikings. What, a, what about your biggest disappointment in this? In the yes, out of the second round, Jason. My biggest disappointment in the second. I'm honestly going to say. Um, which, well, I've got, I, I'm going to say this. I've got a 1B. I have. Who went, who, who went, who's going to be my biggest surprise? Who went, uh, pick number 35 to the Detroit Lions, and that's Swift. When he fell to the Lions, carry uh, on Johnson's uh, list of injuries, Swift is going to step in and be, I'm sh- sure he'll be the starter by the end of the, yeah, carry- by, the by the end of the season. Now, yeah, carry on Johnson's hiring a real estate agent as we speak. Yeah. Um, my biggest disappointment, I'm going to say my biggest, biggest disappointment might rise some um, ire from you guys. Uh, and I think that is, um, it's going to be uh, hurts because I don't think that he has the mentality to play in Philadelphia nor the skill set to play in that offense. Uh, Wentz, is, Wentz is fragile. He does have a history of injuries, and whoever Wentz's backup is does see a significant amount of playing time. But I really think that I think that he went a little bit higher than what he should have. I think he could have stayed on the board for much longer. Uh, I had him going to actually had him going to New England in the second round which would have been a better fit for his talent. But I think him going to Philadelphia um, pretty much spelled out doom for him because he's going to be holding a clipboard unless a major injury happens to Wentz and costs Wentz a um, significant amount of time. I have a really bold prediction for my second round bust that I will get to last since I went first for the first round. Eric, I'll let you go next year. Who's your biggest? Who will be your biggest surprise in the second round? Who will be your biggest bust out of the second round? For biggest surprise, I'm definitely echoing Jason. I mean, with a guy like T. Higgins, I saw him a lot more than I unfortunately had to with his time at Clemson, but someone who just like A.J. Green became Andy Dalton's number one. Now you've got your number one for Joe Burrow right there, and it'll make it a lot easier for him. And Jason hit the nail on the head. Have him be mentored by Green that first season. Learn the ropes while you're still running your tree and everything, and then, especially come 2021, poised to be the man 
and you're willing very, very likely to see that kind of connection, at least in Cincinnati, for several years. Now, for the boss, I don't think Hertz is going to be that much of a boss. Something that I saw, especially for kind of behavioral issues more than anything else, is Willie Gay Jr. Now, granted, the Chiefs have improved their defense by leaps and bounds. He's the kind of guy that you would really need inside. Don't get me wrong. But for someone like him, yes, you know, he can rush the passer. Yes, he's got great closing. But I don't know so much about if the stage gets a little bit too big for him. Will he still perform? If things get a little too tough, can he still be there? Because while Mississippi State was okay, let's face it, even in the SEC West, they weren't the top dogs. And you combine that with uh, that little bit of an NCAA violation, it's like, I don't know. I'm not going against Brett Beach, but that one made me scratch my head a teeny bit. Is he the one that had the... uh... Is he the one one of the ones that had the 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 partial positive test at the combine? I'm not sure. I know I remember hearing about a couple of partial positive tests. One had a water one had a water claimed a water wall partial positive. But I think that guy went in the third round. So right, regardless, that was also the one that got into the fight with the quarterback. We'll uh, we'll pick that discussion back up at a later time here. Uh, Brandon, second round, bust and surprise. Start with your surprise. Hmm. I'm going to kind of go out on a limb just because it is the Patriots and they always seem to manage to do this. I think the biggest surprise is going to be Kyle Duger because no one knows him. They pick him out of nowhere in the second round. But because it's the Patriots, I, yeah, I hate to give Belichick credit here, but he clearly saw something that nobody else saw here. Yeah, he's coming out of a Division Two school. Lenore Rhyme. Yeah. The only reason I even know about Lenore Rhyme is because back in 2007, when Appalachian State, after they beat Michigan, the coach said, yeah, we can't get too cocky. We've got Lenoir Ryan coming in next week. And I was like, who? <laughs> Had it not I, been for them in that moment, I would have never heard of the school whatsoever. Who's your uh, who's your biggest bust, Bisco? I got a doozy of a pick for mine. I don't think any of you guys are going to see this one coming. I I think my biggest bust it it's mid second round but just with how everything is there their quarterback situation isn't exactly 100%. I think I have to go with KJ Hamler. I I'm you sorry Harry. I'm you. sorry Harry. <laughs> Okay, you're you're neglecting the fact that yes, KJ Hamler is going to a rough situation in Denver. I'll agree with that. However, Hamler is also a punt and kick returner, true. So he is multifaceted, and that's why Denver took the uh, leap in the second round on him. True, true. Harry, but you're... what we always say: 
Bisco gonna Bisco. <laughs> That's not my pick though. But uh, okay. I'm, I'm that no, I I wasn't I wasn't sure if you were saying you son of a bitch because I took your pick or because I picked a no. Penn State guy. Because you picked a Penn State I guy. I figure as much. But yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I understand that he's more of a, a returner, but returners can only do so much. Even looking back at some of the greatest returners in in the history of the NFL, uh, you know, you still want them to be competent wide receivers or running backs or whatever their main position is in order to be something that you can use outside of just returns. Six foot four, 238 pounds, and a sub four four forty. Oh, I'm not discounting his... That's, uh... not, not, that's not Hamler. Oh, that's not that's Hamler. Not, oh, okay. That's my pick for who I think will be the biggest oh, okay. surprise in the second round. And that pick is the Canadian Chase Claypool. <laughs> what the fuck, Jason? I'm See, drunk. the Canadians were thanking you for that. <laughs> yeah, so I was giving – the Canadians was giving you props. They was, they were celebrating you saying that. The Canadian Chase Claypool who goes to Pittsburgh is my biggest surprise, I think, because he is a guy who burst onto the scene after barely being recruited in high school because he was in Canada. Therefore, most people didn't know who he was. Got recruited off of a Facebook video and ended up getting a full athletic scholarship to Notre Dame where he was a three-year starter. And he's going to a situation where he's going to be one of those speed merchants where you can have a guy like Juju Schmidt-Schuster taking the underneath stuff. And that will allow Claypool to get deep for Ben Roethlisberger. And assumingly, the talk is, is that they're trying to trade for Leonard Fournette and out of Jacksonville as well to give Roethlisberger a running back as well. Good luck. Don't they yeah, already have a running their, back? Um, it's Pittsburgh, and I can't remember who the other team was. I shared it in the group chat. Um, uh, Miami, you said. Yeah, I think it was. Miami. Yeah. Either one, I think, will be good fits if Fournette goes there. Well, Fournette wouldn't be a uh, full-time starter in Pittsburgh because of the guy that took over for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. I'm drawing blank on his name right now, but... James Conner? James Conner. Thank you. James Conner, the former Pitt Panther. Thank you. Um, If Fournette goes to Pittsburgh and they win another damn ring, seriously... That'll be another ex-Jaguar that has won a championship outside of Jacksonville. I think we hate you, Eric. I'm pretty sure. I think just the NFL... The NFL basically uses Jacksonville as their minor <laughs> league. Yeah, like how I mean, the, the Yankees use Tampa the Bay. Are we? are we the Ajax of the NFL? No, you're the, Tampa, you're the Tampa Bay Rays of the NFL. I was going to say the Miami Marlins, but I guess same difference. No, because the Rays actually got to a World Series. Damn. Miami's won two. Yeah, Miami has won two. Your point? And then what happened? You had a defending champion lose 108 games. Well, At because they, they because then they proceeded to trade away their entire team after they won said World Series. All right. Oh, Back, on track. <laughs> Back on track so that way we can continue discussions from the show. Thank you. Um, this might surprise you guys. You ready for my biggest bust out of the second round? Okay. I think Baltimore made a mistake with J.K. Dobbins. Really? 
Yeah, I think I, I don't think that he will he will be able to succeed in that offense. I, I wasn't high on him as a running back anyway, but I don't. I think that that was a reach. I think that was a a panic pick. So not to mention he's he's too similar of a back to Mark Ingram, and there's no way he's overthrowing Ingram in Baltimore. No. I mean, it it may not be the the best pick, but at the very least, it may allow Ingram to get some more time off. It may not. It may allow Ingram to take a couple of snaps off. It's, but the thing is, is it's a similar skill set too, and I think Ingram's going to get the town the time on the field. Maybe if they decide to take Ingram out of town in a couple of years, then Dobbins steps, then J.K. steps in. But I just I don't see him being a good fit there. If anything, I think the running back that got the best fit out of the second round is the guy we talked about extensively last week on the show when Jonathan Taylor going mm. to Indianapolis. Oh yeah. yes. Now he now he's really going to be the bell cow for Indy, especially with not if, now with Philip Rivers. But <laughs> if he control if he can control his itis, he'll be the bell cow in Indy. They talked about it on the uh, they talked about it on the draft tonight on ESPN, right as Dobbin, right as Taylor was being selected. Eighteen fumbles last year, lost fifteen of them. Well, I mean that's something well, that all running backs have to worry that. about. They've still got Philip Rivers, so it's the only thing that concerns me. And they talked about this on the uh, on the draft special as well. Is that uh, Taylor was not really known as a passing back. Like a receiver out of the backfield or a mm-hmm. blocker, and you got to think that Rivers is going to want a running back yeah. in there that can definitely keep an eye on him when he's dropping back. I think that may be something that I think with his skill set, if we, with the right coaching, he'll be able to learn that and and incorporate incorporate that into his offense in the NFL. Yeah, that's something that can be taught. I mean, you can learn how to be a a pass catching back, you can work on that skill set. Especially you can because work on your reads and pickups. Especially because catching as a running back isn't the most important thing because oftentimes those passes are essentially screen passes where it's just a dump off to behind the line of scrimmage and then you take it from there. Not to just mention, to- you're not going to get as many catches as a running back in a Frank Reich offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a quick heads up, the Giants are on the clock. Baltimore's pick is in, so we will discuss the Giants pick live on air. That being said, before we move to that, let's go ahead and discuss one of the other major stories here. As about a decade after it happened to Brett Favre, it happened to Aaron Rodgers. Jason? Um, I, it's no secret. I think that uh, Love was... Um, my pick to be the biggest uh, surprise quarterback coming out this draft. Um, I thought he had, he was the most pro ready going to green Bay um, was a bit of a surprise. Uh, but like we said, this kind of is it uh history kind of repeats itself because it was a similar situation with Favre and Rogers. But I think the only difference was Favre was a grizzled veteran that knew his time was winding down. Knew that his he had he was on a on a uh, calendar. He left Green Bay. Rogers is not so much um, open 
to giving up his spot as Favre was. Uh, Favre seeing the writing on the wall. What? Favre seeing that, you know, that there was, that eventually, you know, his body was, the, the abuse he's taken and everything that, you know, he, he was ready to, ready to move on. And, uh, you know, I don't like how it all went down with Green Bay, how they let Favre leave. But Favre knew the writing was on the wall. Rodgers is going to be a the type of person that holds on and uh, will hold back a player. I do believe, and yeah. I, I absolutely, I absolutely think Love has all the talent in the world and could be could have been a superstar quarterback if not land if he did not land in Green Bay. Well, let's yeah. not let's I not didn't even really see the writing on the wall. He held that Packers franchise yeah. hostage yeah. for a couple of years and even then rather than just retire, he went to the Jets, then had success in Minnesota. So, yeah, towards those latter few years, Favre was as kind of a dick as Rodgers is right now. Yeah, well, he, he was a dick because out front about his dickness. <laughs> well, no, the way, reason why he was a dick is how the front office handled the situation. They mostly basically froze Favre out and would not even communicate with him about their decision until they announced it. Well, the reports kind of, are is that's the reports are is that's what happened with Jordan Love yeah. as well. That Rogers had no idea. <laughs> yeah, let, let's well, not. I mean, I mean, after when the as they. When they when they transitioned to Rogers, they was Green Bay. Green Bay was kind of hush hush when uh, interacting with Favre. So that's that's why Favre had the chip on his shoulder toward Green Bay that he did at the end of this uh, end of his career. Yeah, well, but at the same time, it's are you going to retire? And he's like, I'm going to retire. I'm not. I am. I'm not. I mean, I don't think like the way the Packers fully handled it, but if you're in a situation to where it's like, we've got to make a move just in case, yeah, you're not going to deal with the guy who's really sitting there and going to be on the fence. That That's the main difference with Rodgers. It's like, yeah, I'm still young enough. I've still got a couple years left. I can still get us to a Super Bowl or at least keep contending for one. And you do this? So yeah, let's not forget the Green Bay was just in the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game this year, losing to San Francisco. Yeah. But I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves about Favre. You know, he didn't exactly go out on his shield or anything like that. You know, he he went. He you know basically fought tooth and nail to stay in the league. And went to the Jets, like Eric mentioned, then went to Minnesota to basically try to get revenge on the Packers for what they did to him. So, and by all reports, by all reports, he didn't really exactly try to help Rodgers much either. So, you know, if Love can do basically what Rodgers did, and if Rodgers is even even an iota more helpful than... Favre was to Rodgers, then it could certainly be a great pick. Do I agree that I think it was a bit of a reach? Uh, yeah, definitely, especially considering they traded up for him. I don't know where their pick was in the second round, but 
considering the other teams that were looking at quarterbacks, I don't think he would have gotten drafted by any other teams before the Packers would have come up next. All right. Uh, re- real quick, before we go any further here, Matt or Matt Pert, uh, Jason, Brandon. Yep. Another offensive tackle selected by the Giants within the first three rounds. Smart. That's one of the big things that they needed help with was their offensive line. We've been talking about it for the past couple of years, that they need offensive line help. And now, finally, they're starting to get it. And this will help Daniel Jones. Uh, Yes, they need some wide receiver help. But as long as Jones gets some protection... I think he can make some plays, and and the offense will be much more uh, effective this season. See, I think in a wide receiver-heavy draft such as this, where there are so many big-name receivers, that it would have made more sense to go after another lineman a little bit later. Jason, what are your thoughts on Matt Perth? I think I like the pick. Like um, uh, Gettleman is is known for going after the hog mollies, uh, the big guys up front building, building around. Around it, and with Giants having one of the top premier running backs in the league, you know you have to have a line for him to run behind for him to be successful. So I, I'm not I'm not uh, upset with it. I think we've addressed just about every need that we uh, had on our draft board. Uh, do we need a receiver? Yeah, but uh, I think our receiving core is substantial i mean there's still some free agents out there there's still you know it's still a pretty deep draft class still yet there's still some wide receivers on the board that you know we could snag late that we could develop um just want to point out that uh the giants had a huge emergence out of uh, a certain uh player last year that um went on to have big and glorious things from him at the wide receiver spot and it was um, it was really nice to see him emerge. I mean, especially being a great, uh, showing his great hands. Um, and, you know, that a lot of people slept on in his emergence uh, that could stretch the field and did have a great thing. Do I think the Giants need a true number one receiver? Yes. I don't think Slayton's going to be it, and I don't think Shepard is. Uh, Ingram's there as a hell of a tight end. I think the only thing that missing in that is an at offense is a true number one wide receiver. And next year's draft class has a couple of higher tier wide receivers as well as quarterbacks. So we could we could play out this year with their wide receiver core, grab a uh, one of the prolific uh, wide receivers next year. And bam, I mean, we've got a young upstart offense that can learn with Daniel Jones and uh, turn us into a uh, power again while building our offensive line and through our defense. Yeah, I think another aspect to it, like you mentioned, Harry, is that this is a very deep wide receiving uh, draft. So it it's something that I think Dave Gettleman is saying, I can draft one of the mid-tier wide receivers later on in the draft and develop him and still get, you may not quite get the talent of one of the top guys, but you can still develop him into being a solid NFL wide receiver 
and be comparable to some of the higher-end guys. All right, a couple of other people that I wanted to discuss here, and then I do want to, real quick, before we move on, it physically pains me to say this, but I'm actually a little jealous of the most recent Jets pick. They picked Jabari Zuniga out of Florida. I honestly think that if Zuniga can stay healthy, which was a problem at Florida, Zuniga will be a monster on the D-line in the NFL. Jets have always had good defensive linemen, it seems. So I will give the Jets credit for a good selection there, getting Zuniga late in the third round. All right, let's talk about the other main thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is the one that I thought Brandon was going to steal earlier, so I'm thankful he didn't. But we talked about him a lot in our preview. I feel we have to do the same now that he's officially a member of the National Football League. With the fifth selection in the NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins selected Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback, Alabama, Eric. Was five too early for Tua? Personally, no. I get that with everything with his injuries, with the Dolphins getting him there at five, knowing that they've got a plan to have him sit, rehab at the Dolphins facility whenever it opens back up, and have him learn behind someone like Patrick, I really thought that was the good move. I knew somebody within, if not top 10, like if the Chargers, if he fall into them, they were going to take him. But somebody else through the top 10, really no later than the top 16, they were going to pick up Tua just because what he proved that he could do, especially when healthy, especially against top tier competition like he faced at Alabama. I understand it entirely. And yeah, one of the not even quasi-surprises of those first five picks of the draft, which is why my friend Jared was very, very, very stupid in placing a $100 bet that a certain quarterback would not go number one. So, yeah, his wallet's a little lighter. <laughs> Brandon, same question. Was five too early for two attack of Iloa to go? I think, well, under normal circumstances... I think it would have all depended upon, obviously, whatever came out in terms of how how bad his injury is and how worrisome they are in terms of him staying healthy. But in the current climate, no, I don't. And here's why, and I, I meant to bring this up before, but I think the Jordan Love pick goes into this as well. I talked about this during the preview show a little bit. I think some GMs are thinking, I'm willing to take some bigger risks that may not necessarily pay off right off the bat this year, but may pay off down the road because of the uncertainty of this season. And as a result, no matter what happens, I would think think that some GMs might have a bit of a longer leash when it comes to decision making because owners may be thinking this is a this is an anomaly year so I can't really evaluate how my team has done this year the way I have in the past because even if we get a full NFL season 
I think we can all agree that there is no chance in hell that we get an entire OTA training camp, all of that. So they've even already start, they've already started digital OTAs. But again, even with it being digital, it's still going to be different. You're not going to be able to get the same sort of evaluation in this sort of situation as you would in person, obviously. So I think yeah, GMs... Think of this as more as like 2011. Yeah, exactly. So as a result, now, I forget, Eric, you'd probably be the one to you know know this more than I would. In 2011, after that season, were there mm-hmm. fewer uh, GM and head coaching changes in between 2011 and 2012 than there were normally? There were- There were normally because of the nature of that collective bargaining agreement. So since you had that lockout because of with the CBAs and the fact that you were dealing with an uncapped year as well, 2011 was like, okay, we're going to try to do what we can. This is under a bit of a different set of rules. 2012 is when we're really going to look at things. Exactly. Yeah, there weren't as many administrative changes. Exactly. And I think a lot of teams are looking at this season in the exact same way of we are under different circumstances right now. This is not normal, so we cannot evaluate in the way that we normally do. And as a result, these GMs and these head coaches are saying, okay, I have more free reign. I'm more willing to take these chances that I may not have been willing to take in the past. Jason, your thoughts on Tua going fifth to Miami? Take your microphone off mute, buddy. Trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Hold on. You're there good now. Go. There we I think I think I figured it out. No. <laughs> he had it and he lost it. He's not as think as we drunk he is. <laughs> he did uh, of going for that refill of the margaritas. <laughs> yes. Did. Okay, we're back. Okay, and, there you okay. go. Ooh, yeah, the, the refill of margaritas might not have been a good idea. Um I think Tua going five was a mistake. I think his history of injuries far outweighs his uh, potential. Um, I really would have liked uh, Justin Herbert there. Uh, Agreed. I think that he was would have been a great fit in that offense. Now, if you discount the injuries that uh, Akuna Matata has had. Um, I think that he, I think that he was possibly the best quarterback in the draft, but injuries are a key factor. Having so many major injuries in such short of time, yeah. And I think I honestly don't think that he'll beat Rosen out. Um, I'm not um, sure about that. Okay, but predictions from a drunk ginger. Okay, yeah. Andrew Thomas, even when sober, hasn't been batting a thousand. But honestly, but, I 
see this as being less Hakuna Matata, and he will evolve into Maui Wowie. See, here, here's the uh, Jason actually made me think of something, and we and we've talked about it before when we were talking about this draft. But next draft, there's a big influx of quarterbacks coming in as well that are I very. Say big. It's not a huge quarterback class, but definitely back prospect out of the last couple of years for sure in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So if if Tua doesn't pan out this year, if they find something once they're able to really check him out and they see, oh, we might have made a mistake, they may for then sure. just say, you know, we've got the opportunity to go get someone next year. Tank for Tua becomes tank for Trevor. Exactly. Okay, why is this dude wearing a face mask inside of the house with his kids? I don't know. Who I, who so, knows? Whatever. I mean, thing is, if you're if you're going to wear a mask, at least respect and do the social distancing bit. That garage was big enough to where you could be six feet apart. Okay. So let's talk about random shit that we saw on this draft now that we wouldn't have seen under normal circumstances. Um, apparently, Arizona has made Cl- Cliff Kingsbury a very wealthy man because that setup was so wank. It was honestly and- legit. The second swankiest, second biggest flex of any setup in the draft. Hands down. Uh, um. Let's talk about probably the biggest flex because Mike Vrabel decided to have somebody take a shit in the background. Oh, God, that was... Actually explained that picture. And somebody dressed up as Buzz Lightyear. Number one, it turns out that he was not taking a shit. The way that the camera was angled, it looked that way, but he was sitting on a bar stool. No, he he was taking a shit. He was taking a shit. Quit trying to cover for him. Fuck Tennessee. I was reading, look, and I say this as a Jackson family show. (laughs) It would have been a lot better if he was, but he wasn't. Not to mention, they also explained the other costume. It turns out the guy that who wears it, you would know this Harry is a Braves fan. The freeze. Vaguely. Yes. Yeah. The guy that the trial, beats everybody at running during, like, the mid-game entertainment and running the races, well, they apparently had another freeze costume that they ordered because the guy that was wearing it kind of plays as a minor league version of the freeze for some games. And since his season was canceled being a high school baseball player, they happen to have that but just have nothing to do with it, so he wore that during the draft. (laughs) I know a couple of I know a couple of times Buffalo fans have gone dressed as Pancho Villa since since he passed away. All I'm yeah. going to say is this: Did you guys notice that they could not get enough Charger fans to fill up the screen of fans in the background when they were making their picks? Chargers fans tonight. Mm-hmm. It's happening now with Saints fans. It happened with Chiefs fans, Patriots fans. I mean, if you're having yeah, issues I'm talking about in the first, in the first round. I mean, in to be fair, round, I know fill it up. Issues getting twelve. Why for you in the second round are trying to get fifteen? Now that we're deep into the third round, they're having trouble getting eight. <laughs> How are they even getting those? 
some Zoom. sort of contest. I think Harry mentioned it by using a certain hashtag on Twitter. Ah. Um, no, the the hashtag was boo the commission. They're making donations. Uh, but Bud Light is going to make donations for every everybody that tweets out boo the commission. I think the uh, Zoom appearances are people that have donated to the COVID relief thing. Uh, actually, actually, I think it's people that have offered to give Robert Kraft massages. What if they're without the happy endings? Because that would explain some things. Family show. It's a legitimate question. Leave Robert Kraft down, especially down here in Florida. <laughs> Not that I know we're anything. But Leave I'm Robert. Just saying. Leave Robert Kraft alone on his yacht. Hopefully it doesn't come back for football season. Robert Kraft's uh, probably disappointed that he wasn't the one that moved down to Tampa Bay instead of Brady. Okay, there was one. I mean, hey, you've got, you know, Mons Venus. You've got the dollhouse. You've got a lot of different productions. Family show. (laughs) Jason just called you out. Think about that, Eric. (laughs) Drunk Jason just called you out. Eric's gonna go. I'm, re- I'm trying to work. I'm trying to work on bigger and better things for us. Eric's <laughs> gonna go reevaluate some of his life choices. This good <laughs> says the man who deliberately kept saying about the guy taking a shit when I was explaining it because it was true. It no, did look like he was dropping a deuce. He he had he had the proper technique. He had his phone bent over power 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 technique. <laughs> well, technically, you're actually supposed now. to put your feet up. Yes, te- not to mention if that was the case, then where the hell was a squatty potty? <laughs> I was about well, to say te- technically, you're supposed to put your feet up for it now because they say it improves flow. Of course, because it straightens out your colon. That's why <laughs> what squatty potties are what has the show become? This is what happens when we don't have sports to talk about. Uh, the sad thing is, is we do. Like this is the most sports we've had to talk about in like three weeks. <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, couple of other quick things to discuss from the draft here. Uh, overall, with the way that they handled it, were you surprised at the, the fact that there weren't a whole lot of major technical difficulties? Like there was a little bit of a delay from when the host on the host on ESPN, I think that's Trey Wing, not Trey Ringo. What? Why am I drawing a blank on his name? It is Trey Wingo. Yeah, that was Trey Wingo. Yeah, that's who I thought that was. Yeah. When he would go to when he would go to call on a couple of the different co-hosts, you would hear like a few second delay mm-hmm. between you and he would say their name and when they would start talking. But I think that's because they didn't want to talk over him with the microphones. Yeah, that. The, uh, at, at yeah, that's something that has just been happening. I've been watching like first take and first things Stop first. Even those damn M and M's, Goodell. Besides, I know what Hartner or Reese's Pieces guy. <laughs> But yeah, that's been happening throughout their shows because, you know, obviously, I mean, we see it ourselves when we're doing these shows. You know, sometimes you'll have a bit of a delay to make sure that the other person is done talking or whatnot. Or otherwise, you'll hear you'll hear accidental overtalking. Exactly. Well, um, real quick, though, Eric, hot take, Reese Cups Delicious, Reese Pieces, Booty. How dare you blaspheme and besmirch the good name that is Reese's Pieces. 
I thought I knew ye, Broadhurst. <laughs> I thought I knew ye. I'm I'm all about the dots and the crows. I shaketh my head and washeth my hands for twenty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I'm a cow, I'm a cow, I'm a cow, man. And there goes Bisco. <laughs> I saw his head tilt back in laughter as soon as I started. Uh, <laughs> why? Uh, over Jason, overall, how do you think they handled the digital draft so far? I think it's it's been pretty pretty good. I think we're going to see a a influx this um, going forward. Uh, I think we're going to have a hybrid with the digital draft and um, live participants going forward. If you know that the world doesn't end, um, which is possible. I mean, uh, if it does, it was nice knowing you all. Yep. Well, that makes one of us. Um, but I mean, I think it's, I think it was, it was kind of cool. I mean, I wish they would have done the, uh, did a partnership with like EA and had Mm. like the actual virtual draft set up where the player came out and they had the character come out. Yeah. Because they was drafted. I think that would have been really cool. And I would think that would have been money and then just have, and then have like Goodell and the player do a voiceover of the animation. Yeah, that would have been cool because don't they do that in in like the in the career mode anyway? They have it set up like the actual draft and they show your like when you're playing they, uh at, at one at one time they did it, it like you you seen them walk across the stage. Yeah, um, because I remember when I, I played it before. like a couple of years ago when I did the my, you know, my career, you would have them walk you would have yourself Walk across the stage and and all that. Well, I mean that's how they're doing most graduations this year. <laughs> Eric, your thoughts on the digital draft? How do you think it's come off? Are you surprised there haven't been as many issues as maybe we thought there might be? Personally, I am a little bit of surprised that there haven't been as many issues. I guess when they did the run throughs and connecting with everything and having the team specific IT guys at the general managers and coaches houses that made things very smooth. But I do think that they're going to help at least consider this hopefully next year. Again, no disrespect to Cleveland, but it's still Cleveland in April. I mean, if they have a mix of something like this and a hybrid with that, and this, and more like of what the XFL did, you could gradually see that more five years' time being the norm. I'm on the Watkins. <laughs> Bisco, same question. Your thoughts on how they've handled the digital draft? Yeah, I mean, I, I've liked it so far. Um, you know, it is definitely different. I do think that there would be there were they they need to cuz all together like 70 picks tonight cuz they did rounds 2 and 3 they, they they need to uh i i do think they need to go back to you know the the live draft at least for the first round just because you know you've got the pomp and circumstance of it all um but yeah i would 
I would say that maybe you could do like rounds one through three live in front of the crowd, mm. and then handle the rest of the draft digitally. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that happening moving forward. Um, you know, they've done very well with with the tough, to, a tough situation. I do agree with Eric and and you, Harry, that I am surprised that uh, there haven't been pretty pretty much any glitches at all, uh, really. So. Uh, but I think part of that is, you know, a lot of us were anticipating, you know, what happens if if something tech, you know, a technical difficulty happens in terms of picks and everything. I think a lot of that was taken care of because they're pretty much essentially just doing what they did anyway when when it was, you know, in person, I think, or at least I believe so where they're just calling in the picks to Goodell. So it's not like anything on that level changed where they have to worry about connection issues there. Yeah, Especially since they were moving to the more exotic locations anyways, you were kind of seeing a little bit of a shift to that. Yeah, I would say that it's more of a situation of, like... The uh, the computers and the communications and everything are for communications with other staff members. Like, mm-hmm. so the GM can talk to the coach, can talk to the the director of player yeah. development. Whereas the actual phone call is made by whoever the designated person is, and then they call into Goodell with the pick there. Because based on what we've seen here, Goodell gets the pick, and then he sits in his recliner, waits for the imaginary booze, and then announces the pick. Mm-hmm. Well, even then, that was a bit of a change because – in your normal live draft, he would only announce the first round picks. Then you would have different NFL officials and other people announce the picks through the remaining six rounds. So mm. this is the most work he's had to do with a draft in years. Yeah. God, God forbid he actually do something to earn a paycheck. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, give the man a break. He's only making about, what, $50 million a year? That does not go that far in New York. Yeah, that's a one-bedroom loft in New York. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, so while you're scrolling Facebook, Jason, your final thoughts on what we've seen so far through three rounds? Uh, my final thoughts is uh, be ready for this to be the standard going forward. Uh, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a hybrid. Uh, a lot of players um, failed that we thought we all held in high regard and high esteem. A lot of surprises. Uh, I shouldn't do podcasts drunk. Um, this is why we didn't do live round one coverage, everybody. No, I mean, live round well, one coverage would well, be fine. Everybody missed out on both drunk Jason and potentially drunk me. So that was doing people a disservice. Yeah, I mean, they, they need, wanted- we, knew, we need to talk to the masses, especially about Cowboys. It, if they wanted that, they could listen to an episode of Black Irish if it ever existed. Hey, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, right? At, I think it's going to ha- it's going to uh, piggyback on the fantasy football podcast. <laughs> the irony of this is that Brandon's actually wearing a fantasy football shirt because we're yeah. doing this through video coverage tonight. Yeah, which so, makes it even funnier. So, uh, no, I just think that. Um, I, I had a lot of surprises. I was really pleased with how the Giants worked the draft. Um, I want to have to give probably the best overall grade so far to the Bengals 
for them getting a um, the heir apparent to what I see is going to be the heir apparent to AJ. Add Burrow that can grow together and be a dynamic uh, duo in Cincinnati. And I didn't know that that could exist, but hey, um, I want to say that you're going to see, you're going to see that I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and I'm going to do the comparison. the The one two punch Cincinnati has is going to be on the level of Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen after about two three years together. I think the big issue that Cincinnati has to worry about. And they did decent last year, but uh, their offensive line needs to get better as well. I think another thing too is how how much can uh, Joe Mixon step up as well? Yeah. Now that well, I mean he's he definitely has the talent to do it. Jason, where can people find you online? <laughs> he doesn't realize he's muted again. Unmute yourself and answer the question. I am trying to unmute it. He's this back. Is, uh, uh, you can find me at TurkeyGlue822 on Twitter. Uh, I will shoot me a message. I'll answer any fantasy football questions. Uh, I'll give you the best advice possible. Since we do not have a fantasy football cast here on the W2M network, that's my fantasy football outlet. Um, also, um, if you want, hell, look me up on Instagram. Um I post stuff that is uh, more, more. I'm more interactive on Instagram than I am Twitter, unless it does deal with fantasy football. So, if you are just looking to shoot the shit and want to hit me up, uh, just look me up on um, Instagram. Uh, it's Turk822, I believe. And bonus question: If anybody on this panel can guess the two major factors of how I got my name, uh, my nickname of Turk. I feel like that comes from Scrubs. That is part of it. The other is the exact name that I do have. Turkoglue, who is a the famous NBA player that is... Ito Turkoglue. Played yep. for Sacramento and also New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And the Magic. Um, oh, yes. But yeah, you can, hook, you can look me up if you want to be more like personal, interact with me, you know... Turk822 on Instagram. You can find me. Shoot me a message. Uh, I'm going to try to be a little bit more personal. If I do have any fans out there that think I'm an asshole, you know, shoot me a message. I'll be an asshole to you on a more personal level. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You go get some water and silver up, Jason. Eric, your overall (laughs) takeaway. All right. Catch you guys later. (laughs) Eric, your overall takeaways from uh, nights one and two of the NFL draft. A little bit long, but as someone who has been in multiple years of actual fantasy football drafts that have taken multiple weeks, I thought it wasn't bad, and I could get used to this on a more regular basis. Now, if they try to do anything to mess up 2022, there's going to be some hell to pay, but outside of that, I ain't mad. Where can people find you online? At Squid Sports Head on Twitter, if you either go back and walk, listen to the 69th episode or or send me a message on Twitter <laughs> and go through the proper screening process, then you will get access to my dark Twitter, my Snapchat, my Instagram, and my Telegram, because that's how it's got to be, ladies and gentlemen. But if you're also looking for any help as far as 
general questions or even in the tutoring realm, Eric Watkins on Facebook. Look for the guy in the recliner holding the glass of wine. That's me. And yes, all of that will be sponsored by Rick's TNT LLC. Those wondering why I laughed like I did, we're doing a video, as I mentioned, for this particular episode. And as soon as I said the giggity after he mentioned episode 69, Eric <laughs> shot me a death stare. <laughs> that I could so not control my laughter. It's like I was in a flow, man. That I could not control myself from, from laughing as hard as I did at. Okay, Bisco, your overall thought thoughts no leave 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 the thoughts of eric no family show (laughs) family show (laughs) brandon your overall thoughts on nights one and two of the 2020 nfl draft uh it was definitely interesting and and weird seeing it the way it was um but they did best with what they had uh it's going to be a very interesting summer for Lots of reasons, um, and I'm sure we're all just looking forward to hopefully getting some sports come fall of 2020. And other things. Where yes. can people find you online, Bisco? Uh, they can find me online on Twitter. I finally changed my uh, Twitter handle. It's uh, Bisco NMB Chiefs. And uh, if you want to talk to me on Facebook, Brandon Bisco Bing. Shoot me a friend right. request. Um, overall, I gotta say, I actually really appreciated the methodology that they used with this year's draft. I thought that it was very, uh, very easily, uh, user oriented in that it gave you multiple options to look at the various different locations where they had all the cameras there. Trey Wingo did an excellent job under very difficult circumstances. I want to give a special shout out too to the crew from, uh, the crews from ESPN and the NFL network for working together mm-hmm. and putting on a piece of product rather than trying to divide the audience right now, because I think that this is a situation where this could be something that unifies us rather than attempting to divide us. So you could have the, uh, the joint productions on both ABC, ESPN and NFL network. And like Brandon talked about last week, 15.6 million viewers for night one of the NFL draft this year, the largest single night draft audience in NFL history. And that's, I I think both the fact that, the the world is craving sports so much right now, but also the fact that uh that you had the Combined joint the, the jo- yeah the joint coverage certainly helped that. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I do now think- they need to go forward and tune and uh, tone down the tragedy porn a little bit. Well, oh, I mean Lord. you you kind of expected it with this. You know, I expected it. I know there are going to be people that are going to bitch and complain about it, but, you know, it's expected. Everyone loves a good human interest story, Eric. Yeah. Yeah, but I want to sit there and analyze and be surprised, not try to curl up all depressed and eating an ice cream all of a sudden. Well, I will agree (laughs) with Eric in terms of the, like, I understand what you're saying, Harry. Uh, but I will agree with Eric to an extent on, like, the individual... I thought he was more so talking about, like, current event-based stuff. But uh, no, I, you're talking yeah, about the play... You're talking about the player stories. Yeah, I, I can agree with you to an extent on that. I'm just glad that Drunk Jason wasn't here for curling no. up in the corner depressed. Oh, God. 
I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we all hang in there, we can try to get back. No, we're not doing No, that. no, no. One, one thing I... What one? I'm fu- going to say, instead, I'm going to say that I'm Harry Broadhurst. You can find me on Twitter at HEB the Eagle. You can find me on Instagram at HEB the Eagle. I barely use both of those. Bisco's got the Rona, apparently. No. <laughs> he has been coughing this entire time. Anyway. Um, and yeah, Harry Broadhurst on Facebook as well. If you're interested in talking sports, by all means, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, one of the things that I wanted to discuss with you guys and drunk Jason already left, unfortunately for me to discuss with this next week, we're going to do our NFL draft review, our full review after all the teams are all done drafting and stuff. We'll give like grades and stuff to individual teams, which teams we thought did the best, what teams we thought did the worst, our own personal team reviews and such. Yes. Did he just freeze? Apologies for that. Uh, Brandon had an internet outage, but thankfully was able to pause the broadcast in time for us to not lose everything there. So appreciate it, executive producer. Well done. Way to save our ass. Yep. Funny, I didn't think the internet could get the Rona. Maybe that five G could. I think it's so. I think it's the weather here. It's been raining like crazy for the past like week. I stand by my statement. You've been coughing this entire broadcast. You gave that computer the Rona. No. <laughs> All right. So this has been the the draft nights one and two review, more or less. I mean, we talked about, about our picks from night from uh, the third round, so might as well consider it nights one and two. We'll get together again next week to discuss the full draft, give out our final grades and everything, like I was saying before. I don't know how much of that you guys did or didn't catch. We'll do that for next week's episode. And then one of the other things that we've talked about in the past, and I think we're going to start it in two weeks, is we're going to do greatest of all teams. The idea that we had for this is that we pick both an offensive and defensive player to represent every team in the National Football League. Here is the caveat for this gentleman. You cannot use the same player for multiple teams. Mm. Okay. Okay. I will explain explain that to Jason as well in the group chat so that way he knows here. If we agree on certain players, that's fine. That's going to happen. Like I'm pretty sure when it comes to Buffalo's offensive player, more than likely all all four of us are probably going to come up with Jim Kelly. Yeah. 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 And I think we'll pretty much all say Brady for Patriots. And Lawrence Taylor for the Giants. Yep. Defensively for the Giants. Well, I mean, I would put JPP up there too because yeah. he had a couple of he had a couple of seat he had a couple and of Strahan. Michael Strahan, the all time single season sack leader yep. as well. But um so greatest of all teams will be coming at you guys in two weeks. We're gonna have to put together the details for that, but that is still planned to happen. Eric, I know you said you had an idea for a show that you wanted to do in our downtime as well, so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about that? Squid's ideas that are so crazy they'll actually work. Because I've had a lot of time on my hands, I think what if significant tweaks more to some of the four major sports, not to others that could desperately happen, how well fans would react to it, but it would really help boost the sports. 
So and, that'll be an that'll probably be an episode that we turn into our own like ideas for ways to spice up American sports once mm-hmm. they return or ideas for alternatives to American sports. And then I uh, personally Go I ahead, Harry. I was I was just gonna say I for one would personally like to see basketball become a thing. <laughs> that would be funny. Um and then I'll I'll toss one in this one we can probably do probably like early to midsummer then by then we'll know like more about what's happening where we predict like how how things are all going to turn out if we're going to get a season if we're not going to get a season all of that kind of a follow-up to uh last week's episode uh you mean two weeks ago yeah two weeks ago that's what i meant yeah, and that is actually something that I do have planned. Um, we've gotten really good feedback about the getting to know the kickoff episode, the one that we did kind mm-hmm. of discussing our situation and everything that we've been going through with all, all that's going on in the world around us. Uh, that will be something that we eventually go back to down the line in order for you guys to get a better idea of who we are, not only as sports fans, but as people in general. But So I think that officially wraps us up for this episode here. So for... You can find me on Twitter at H-E-B the Eagle. You can find me on Instagram at H-E-B the Eagle. I'll admit that I barely use both, but you can definitely find me on Facebook by searching for Harry Broadhurst. Um, Eric. Yes? I'm going to work with you on getting a show a show page set up on Facebook as well. Okay. No problem. We can so that, cobble something together. So that way we can like maybe get like direct links to the shows on the Facebook page or ways to uh, pull people to the uh, to the W2M website in order to listen to past episodes as well. Or directly link them to like the YouTube uh, version. Or to the W2M website in order to be able to get the views there so that way we actually get the views in the counter for the W2M page. True, true. Yeah, because right now with it just being on the W2M page itself, it never hurts the kind of double boost. Yep. Right. So we'll work on getting together a show page for you guys as well, where you'll be able to interact with all four of us together rather than individually on our own personal pages. But for Jason Teasley, who is no longer with us now because he left because he was drunk. <laughs> for Brandon Biscabing, Eric Watkins, I'm Harry Broaders. You have been listening to the kickoff season four, episode one B. Thank you for the off air correction, Eric. You're welcome. We will be back. That's all, folks. We will be back with episode 1C next week when we finalize our coverage of the 2020 NFL Draft Year. We are a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. Go ahead, Eric. You know you want to. And both Roger Goodell and Mark Lamping are still dicks. <laughs> but a bonus shout-out to the doctor that wore the pie scrub cap on tonight's coverage. Thank you, Dr. Irene. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next Thursday-ish with a new episode of The Kickoff here on the W2M Network.